Hi, I'm your host, Aaron, and welcome to the First Generations Podcast, the show where we dive into the personal experience and knowledge of individuals that pave their path to success on their own terms. From entrepreneurs, professionals, and beyond, we will learn what it takes to walk through their journey and what it means to be first generation. Coming up in this episode... I mean, Aaron, I'm, are you Android or Apple? Uh, iPhone user. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I'm actually, I've always been an Android. I've been a loyal Android user. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you don't get this. So with an iPhone, yeah. when you get a new iPhone or an iPad, it'll pop up and say, well, just put your new iPhone next to your old one and all your stuff will zap over. Yeah. And it doesn't always do that, but it, but just to have that technology built in where you can do that shows yeah. that they're trying. But again, you're still having these tech devices designed by engineers who really probably can't close the gap between people and technology. So mm-hmm. it remains a challenge. And you, you know what? I was going to ask you the same question. Are you on Team Apple or Team, team Microsoft? But <laughs> I'm on Team Apple. So, uh, but I mean, I know, I know how to use an Android. Welcome to the First Generations Podcast. Today's guest helps remove the frustrations and complexity of computers and technology and opening people up to a world of new ideas, experiences, and opportunities. He loves helping people get the most out of their digital lives and is determined to make technology fun and exciting for everyone. His passion is helping people make sense of their technology and in doing so he has become a highly sought after technology speaker, TV personality, and chief tech expert of the award-winning company Integral based in Kansas City, Missouri. His business sense and commitment to helping others has catapulted Integral to the forefront of Kansas City's business scene. 435 Magazine named Integral Best Computer Repair Company 2015. The Pitch Magazine named Integral the Best Computer Repair of 2018. And The Examiner Magazine named Integral the Best Computer Repair of 2018 as well. As the owner, he was also picked by a blogger local Kansas City as one of the top 50 influencers in Kansas City. Our guest has been a speaker for many business organizations across the country, including the Missouri and the Illinois Bar Association. He is regularly featured on technology segments on the local affiliates of ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox Morning Shows, sharing expert tech advice to the viewers. I am proud and honored to present you our guest for today, Burton Kelso. Hi, Burton. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm grateful for what I have today. And, you know, these are crazy times that are, that we are currently in right now, right? <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree 100%. To get things started, during our current times, what is one thing you are most grateful for in this moment? Uh, I would say uh, being alive would be one of them because in our business, we've, we've lost customers to uh, COVID and I've had family members affected by COVID. So just to not to be one of those statistics from this pandemic is a good thing to be. And also another thing is to be in an industry that is needed during the pandemic. I mean, everyone relies on technology more so during this pandemic. So I'm really grateful to have stumbled into an industry where there is a good demand. Yeah. And it's actually quite amazing, too, you mentioned technology, because I felt that even prior to COVID, or, or COVID in general, it's actually opened up a lot of people's eyes. It's made us grateful and appreciate the small things that we have, but it has also enhanced and opened the eyes of people of how important technology is, especially nowadays, and going for, and moving forward, because you see a lot of business, I would assume you see a lot of businesses shift to going online and doing e-commerce 
and expanding that area of their, their business. Yes, we've seen that with customers. But unfortunately, Aaron, the sad thing is, is that there are a lot of businesses that haven't been able to ship just because of the type of industry that they're in. Obviously, the hospitality industry, there's only so much, so much shipping you can do in order to survive a pandemic, because obviously your industry relies on people gathering. So we have a lot of customers in that industry. And unfortunately, some haven't been able to shift and they've had to greatly downsize or, you know, they've just gone out of business altogether. And as an entrepreneur, that's really heartbreaking to see. Yes, most definitely. For yourself, do you have any exciting projects that have resulted because of the pandemic? Yeah, we have focused more on remote tech support than we okay. have in the past. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic, there are people out there that just don't want uh, have to have someone come into their home or to their office, just for, for the simple fact that if it's an individual, they're a high-risk individual with, say, cancer or other uh, autoimmune disorder. And then for businesses, they want to be able to keep their business up and running. So the they want to lessen the risk as far as having people come in. So we've reached out to businesses and individuals, not only in the metro area, but from across the country, because getting good tech help is hard. Mm -hmm. And we pride ourselves on being people friendly and not so much technology friendly, meaning we speak people, we don't speak computer. Yes, I, I love that. <laughs> your love for technology began in, I believe, in 1981, when your mother enrolled you into a computer class hosted by the local youth program. And since then, it has been an integral part of your life, from building your first home-built computer to working at local computer stores to starting your company Integral and now sharing your story and insights through speaking and other media engagements. So can you recall your first memory of how working with technology had made you feel when you were taking part in your first computer class? Well, to be honest, Aaron, it was a class and all we did was do typing and then we played Oregon Trail just to kind of uh, help with that hand-eye coordination. And, you know, hopefully I would say for anyone, you know, out there, you have to play Oregon Trail like old school with the stick figures just to get an appreciation of how much technology has advanced. But uh, obviously back in the 80s, there were typewriters. There wasn't really an interface between a keyboard, a mouse and the screen. So, I mean, it was eye-opening as to what the possibilities could be. So with Oregon Trail kind of interested my, piqued my interest in video games. And, you know, I had an Atari like all the kids my age. And then also too, I graduated to a Commodore 64 because I wanted had that imagination to want to be able to make my own video games. And, you know, that kind of led into computer repair. Uh, I see. So quick random question. Favorite gaming console of all time? If you had to pick one, what would that be? <laughs> oh, geez. I think for the sake of nostalgia, I would say the probably Super Nintendo. Nice. It, it, I mean, it just had a lot of classic games. Like, I mean, it was a step between our after the regular Nintendo um, you had great Mario games, you had great Castlevania games, uh, you had where there was more of a 3D aspect to those games. So, I mean, that would be my, I guess, nostalgic favorite console. Oh, yeah. That's definitely up there for myself, too, especially with Duck Hunter, even Street Fighter. Just like you said, there's so, so many awesome games there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, real quick, isn't that yep. the time when they started coming out with the different attachments for the Nintendo? 
like for Duck Hunter, didn't they come out with the little pistol? Yeah, they did. Green. Okay, yeah. That that orange pistol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really innovative. <laughs> so I guess like prior to being introduced to technology, you know how kids growing up, they're like, oh, I want to be the, if they see a garbage truck drive by, they'll they'll say, oh, I want to be a garbage man. Or if they see a fire truck, they'll, be, they'll say, I want to be a fireman or a firefighter. So did you have any career aspirations prior to being exposed to technology? And if so, like, what were they? <laughs> For me, it was journalism. I liked, especially when I got into high school, I liked the freedom that journalism offered. I mean, you could go, you get to meet new people and you get to share their stories. And I really liked that aspect of journalism. I had a teacher who back at the time was like, oh yeah, you need to get into print journalism. But obviously she wasn't that forward thinking because look at print journalism now, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not all that great. But I wanted to go into media and somehow wound up in the computers. And I think it was the video games that did that. So, uh, I see, I see. Now, did you have any role models or a couple of role models in your life that you had either looked up to or gave you inspiration to continue your passion in the technology? Because from back then, we, like you said, you, we, you see Oregon Trail playing with a joystick to now where you have Elon Musk developing the Neuralink that we're implanting and it's kind of like AI and stuff. We're planning almost playing godlike. Right. <laughs> you know, due to that huge shift in like how technology has grew, like I would imagine there was a lot of uncertainty with the career aspects related to the field. So right. going back to the question, was there a or a couple of role models that helps you that you, you either looked up to or gave you inspiration to continue chasing this sector? Well, there were a couple of guys that I went to high school with. Uh, one uh, graduated with me, another one he dropped out, and he ended up going back and getting his GED. And he ended up going to uh, DeBry, which you know obviously is one of those computer trade schools. And uh, he got his uh, bachelor's in computers. So that was kind of an inspiration that I could do it. And then, of course, the emerging guys like Michael Dell and Bill Gates were kind of the ones that were didn't go to or didn't finish college and they became successful. So I'm like, well, heck, if those guys could do it, I think I can too. And Aaron, you know, truth be told, I kept getting fired from every job I was, work, you know, I worked at. So I'm like, well, I got to do something. I can't just sit around and be a bum. I've got to go out and work. And when I started working at one of the local computer stores, I saw there was a need for on-site tech support. And then also someone to be able to just sit with people and help them evolve with their technology purchases so that's kind of where i wound up oh okay yeah i think that's really awesome just a lot of people will think that you get fired in different areas of your life and that's something they look upon but i think hey if you didn't get fired you wouldn't have found this niche right right <laughs> yeah and, and i love what you're doing man you're helping people out because that's the intentions are pure right <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah. And I think, and what's unfortunate, we're still in that phase where technology is just still moving so quickly and people don't really understand, you know, what's going on with, with the tech devices they get. I think mm -hmm. most people have the misunderstanding that they should have technology, but then they get it and they don't know what to do with it. So yeah. obviously there needs to be people like me to help them with that journey. Yeah. I believe that is also your mission, right? Your mission is to educate people about technology and open them up to a whole new world of experiences and ideas. So would it be fair to say that when you mentioned you started working at a computer parts store was when you decided this was your mission? Because like, you know how many people in our lives, they tend to find or confirm their purpose or mission during a crucial moment in their life where they're faced with many challenges and obstacles. So would it be fair to say that when you 
were switching jobs at the time until you found that need and that niche for tech support was when you've confirmed this mission? Yeah, that you're probably, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because obviously with all the computer superstores that were opening up at the time, you could see individuals and businesses start to embrace the technology. But like with today, and it's unfortunate it hasn't changed in almost 30 years, there's just, there's the product. And then here's, well, and at least back then you got manuals with the stuff that you purchased. Now you get nothing, you get a flyer, but you're expected <laughs> to understand how to put all this together. So, I mean, I like helping people and I think, you know, in life, our ultimate mission should be to help people and help them better their lives. And so I saw that doing that with technology would be the best way to fulfill my mission in life. Yeah. So. Once you've had this mission, you continued on your process, whether it was starting Integral or, or the other parts of your life. Do you have any moments where you had actually questioned your own mission in this world due to the challenges and obstacles you faced? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think three years when I got into business, uh, things had slowed down and I wasn't really doing a good job of marketing like I should have. And then uh, lo and behold, uh, one of the local newspapers reached out and said, hey, I don't know how they found me, but they're like, we're going to do an article on you. And so I got interviewed by the paper and it just was a resurgence in business and just kind of more of a, a inspiration for to go out and continue to do it. Because, you know, and especially in the tech sector, very white male dominated. So to see an African-American, especially back in 97, when this article came out, got a lot of support from the African-American community to continue on and do it because African-Americans aren't really represented well in, in tech. So that mm -hmm. was kind of an impetus to continue on my journey as far as helping people out with their computers and technology. I understand. And you mentioned marketing. Why do you think marketing is so hard for a lot of businesses, especially small businesses? Because like the conversation is, if you're having a dinner conversation with a friend or family, there's like, it's easy to say, yeah, well, we can do this for marketing. We can do that for marketing. But when it actually comes to the process of doing it, it's not as easy as it seems. So why do you think that is the case? We, I was just talking about this with someone yesterday, Aaron, and you bring up an interesting point. I think people still have that old school thought as far as marketing is concerned where I want to prove that I'm the best and, and, and bigger, I'm bigger and I'm the best because obviously our current media, that's who they highlight as far as businesses. I mean, you see the Elon Musk, you see the uh, Jeff Bezos, you see the Tim Cooks of all the, the tech giants. And of course there's Walmart out there. So the media embraces bigger and best, but when it comes to like regular businesses, it's more about, that they need to focus on how I'm going to help someone achieve this job. Because I know there's an old adage out there, an old quote that basically says that no one really cares about your business. Mm -hmm. All people really care about are their problems. So you need to focus on being someone who can solve those issues. And so I think people have a problem with marketing because they don't understand how to help people solve their issues and not feel that they're giving away the shop. I mean, it's not going to hurt my business if I tell someone that, you know, they don't necessarily need antivirus on their computer or their smartphone. I mean, they do, but they don't need to buy the third party programs out there. But some people may not see that. They may see it as well. If I tell people that, they're not going to call me again. So it's important that you embrace a marketing where you're focusing on helping people with your marketing efforts rather than just trying to prove that you're the best guy out there because no one cares. No one cares. 
<laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> One thing was, again, like we discussed technology, it's always ever-changing, and there are many individuals that struggle to keep up. What do you believe is one thing, or what are some factors that limits many individuals from keeping up with the new technology and its changes? Because you mentioned how there were manuals before, and there's no manuals now. But from the manuals, I look at it from the producers or manufacturer side, the business side. But then, do you think there are any factors from like the personal side where, as consumers, like there's some factors where we just were maybe things that we're doing or we're not doing that's making us making it harder for us to keep up. I think it's how we view technology where you can go purchase a um, security cam system from either Amazon or from Best Buy. And I think if people see it on the shelves, as consumers, they're thinking that, well, I shouldn't know how to put this together. But when it comes to, like, say, the office copier machine or even in your own vehicle, if you've got major issues, your, your mind is trained to, well, I need to go take this to somebody and let them work on it. And the same mentality needs to happen with technology. If you encounter something that you can't put together, you just need to throw up your hands and say, hey, I'm gonna let Joe do it, or I'm gonna let Jane do it. And, and, and just brace that aspect that technology is so complex that it is one of those things that you need help with. And I mean, that goes in any facet of life. If you're struggling with weight loss, uh, obviously you need to go seek a professional. When you're struggling, with mental issues or mental challenges. Yeah, you go get professional help. Uh, even with specific things in a home like HVAC, unless you're in that industry, there's no way you're gonna be able to fix your own heater or AC. You're, you're gonna call a professional. And I think that mentality hasn't caught on with technology. So yes, there's some aspects that you should know, but at the same time, there are a lot of things about technology where you just need to throw up your hands and ask for help. Do you think that and also another thing that leads to this or one of the another factors because technology has been shifted to the point where they try to make it so user friendly that again that also changes the consumer's mindset. For example, like you have Apple with their products versus let's say Microsoft. I'll specifically use the iPhone because even my my parents they don't even bother to learn English, but they're able to pick up the iPhone and you know, they're like, Oh, there's only one button, you know? Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, the manufacturers do try to make it user friendly because obviously that's the appeal with the consumer. And so I think that's why you see a lot of shift with people going to Apple products as opposed to Microsoft products. Because if you look at the differences between the founders of the company, where Steve Jobs was more like, well, technology should be accessible to everyone. And so Apple products are definitely geared to make that happen. Whereas Bill Gates was more, uh, well, technology needs to be accessible to businesses who have an IT staff to put all this together, but we want consumers to use it too. So it, it makes it complicated, but again, the way technology changes so quickly, it, it just makes it hard for most people to set it up. Like, I mean, Aaron, I'm, are you Android or Apple or iPhone user? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I'm actually, I've always been an Android. I've been a loyal Android user. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you don't get this. So with an iPhone, yeah. When you get a new iPhone or an iPad, it'll pop up and say, well, just put your new iPhone next to your old one and all your stuff will zap over. Yeah. And it doesn't always do that. But it, but just to have that technology built in where you can do that shows yeah. that they're trying. But again, you're still having these tech devices designed by engineers who really probably can't close the gap between people and technology. So mm -hmm. it remains a challenge. 
And you, you know what? I was going to ask you the same question. Are you on Team Apple or Team, team Microsoft? But <laughs> I'm on Team Apple. So, uh, but I mean, I know I know how to use an Android. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, obviously, I work with it all. I'm not. Yeah. And it's kind of the challenge too, because there's a lot of IT guys that are Android ex- exclusive or Microsoft exclusive and know nothing about Apple products. I mean, yeah. it's an anomaly to have an IT person who knows how to work both. Who knows how to work everything? You know, Windows, Apple, all that stuff. You know, Linux. So, you know, it, it, it's a challenge. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I want to add on that too because for myself, working in corporate, I'm in finance. But there's also the thing with I find that in a lot of you even talk to a lot of colleagues of mine, the accounting department and the IT department. These two are probably the biggest departments where they're scapegoated the most. Right. Right. <laughs> but again, the common denominator is translating the terminology and the lingo to a more user-friendly sense and that's the biggest issue and like you said that's a very key and integral part of you know what what technology well i was going to ask you this about the whole finance thing so obviously in the small business sector with finance years ago you had peachtree and you basically had to be a cpa in order to operate peachtree but then the intuit came with quickbooks and so business wanted that shift because they wanted more control of their finances. And I'm sure QuickBooks has caused more companies to lose money because you have just regular business people trying to enter in transactions in their accounting system and they have no idea how tax law works. And so, I mean, it's just one of those aspects of technology and with finance that's really kind of jacked things up. I mean, you try to make it to the user, but at the same time, if you have a business, you probably better call an accountant and get all that set up. Yeah, and like you said, it's it, it definitely has changed because back then a lot of the accountants would be doing the work, right? But now instead of us doing the work, we're actually on the outside. We're actually doing the more of the review, right? And exactly. So, so yeah, definitely very interesting. The next question I have for you is, you know, with your extensive appearances in many professional networks such as ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and many more, one of the biggest emerging topics in your appearances is social media. And in one of your media speeches, and our listeners, you can find this online, and it's called How Social Media Isn't Making You Friends or Building Your Business. I found it very fascinating that you highlighted something I strongly believe in, and there's a lack of. The belief that the quantity of connections from social media networks is substantially increasing, which we, and I, I, I totally agree with that. However, the quality of relationships within the personal network can slowly be diminishing. So can you elaborate on why this is the case and tie this in with how it can leave an individual feeling quote unquote empty in your video? Well, it, it's kind of an interesting time to bring that up because with COVID, obviously you're not able to meet, but you can see from just the human aspect of COVID that people are suffering because they're not in contact with people. And I mean, we're physical beings. We want to be able to shake hands and hug and kiss and have direct eye contact rather than going over the screen. So relationships suffer when you're unable to have that screen time with people. I mean, even in the IT industry, Aaron, people would prefer to have an IT professional show up at their door as opposed to having someone remote in. I mean, I think the only way to counter that is when you do remote tech support, maybe you set up a a Zoom meeting too, so that you have some resemblance of, of personal time. But I mean, we're physical beings. We want to be able to get out and and greet each other. And I think if you rely solely on social media to come in contact with people, then your relationships are going to suffer because 
there's a lot of things that can be misunderstood during social media. Even though you're putting emojis to kind of express your emotions, you're not necessarily sharing what your emotions are. If you put something in caps, people may think you're yelling. So online, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes on. So I think you have to have that happy medium of, yes, I'm connected with all of these people on social media, but at the same time, I do need to get out and go to the occasional networking event and just interact with people because people need it. And if you've got that, if you've got that personal time, it just helps solidify the relationship that you've created online. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's something I've, I face myself and I consider myself an introvert. But like you said, for me, there's like a little void because the lack of human interaction has been substantial now, right? Right. And one other thing I was going to add too, and I think that's the challenges with IT professionals is that a lot of them are introverts and they're used to dealing with technology and some get into the industry and fail because they don't have people skills. I mean, I go through, I hate to say it, I go through text. Uh, just for the simple fact that they're good on paper, but when they're good out, when they're out in the field dealing with people, they just can't have that human interaction. And one of the first things I do when I interact with people is just to sit and talk with them to find out what's going on and what it, what's considered a good technology space in their head and kind of tailor the technology to work for them rather than doing what I think they should do. Mm, yeah, I definitely like that approach. It's not cookie cutter, right? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So another topic that I, I am very fascinated with then, and I believe many users of social media are not aware of, is data breaches, especially with social media platforms such as Facebook or LinkedIn. And I believe these two platforms tend to contain more personal details compared to other platforms such as TikTok or Instagram. So what is your take on data breaches with these two platforms? Well, I mean, it's going to continue to happen because I think most people that are embracing social media are either youngsters who just don't have a clue as far as what is the ramifications of sharing too much information and then entrepreneurs that want to get their name out there and so of course they're going to share every aspect because it's kind of like when we talked about social media that you want to create a persona where people can feel like that they know who you are but at the same time you may be putting too much information out there that's going to put you at risk so it's going to continue until people figure out a way to create uh, a specific, specific alias or not share pertinent information out there. Like one of the best examples would be like your, your smartphone or your cell phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of voice over IP services that you can use to share that number as opposed to sharing your personal cell phone number. And people are so, well, I want to be able to quickly talk to Jane or, or Steve or whoever, that they give their cell phone number out when they really shouldn't. Or business email. If you're an entrepreneur, you know, create a, you know, an info or help ed account rather than giving out your, you know, your either your personal account. So that way you can cut down on the amount of spam and information that, that goes on. Because Aaron, we're not going to get away from the information that is posted on social media, but there are ways that you can kind of keep create a public persona and not share as much data as we have in the past. So what are some things that users should be aware of that we are currently not, especially what data breaches then? Um, well, there's uh, obviously ransomware is still a big hit out there. And that's the act of someone or someone falling basically for a text email or, or even a voice scam 
where they click on a link and then it infects not only the computers, but their corporate network. But before I go further, the most important thing that most people need to remember about cybercrime is that 99% of it requires user interaction. So those large scale data breaches that you read about in the news, it's because some employee clicked on some link in an email that they shouldn't, they shouldn't have. And with more of us doing remote working, it's a lot easier to send out those scams. So you may think you're getting a letter from the president saying, hey, here's your bonus. And you're like, oh yeah, and you click on it. And it's a ransomware link because we don't, you know, we're not in the office and we can't like quickly verify that the boss sent this to me. Uh, one great example of that, Aaron, is the TikTok breach of last year. All it was is someone called up, got a list of all the people in a specific part, department of TikTok, or not TikTok, but Twitter. But um, but they called someone from Twitter and said, hey, you know, I forgot my password for such and such logon. And then the person, oh, yeah, here it is. And then they were able to access Twitter, all those Aww. Twitter accounts. So, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. But ransomware and, of course, the whole phishing aspect, whether it's text, voice, or SMS, or smishing, where you get the email or message from someone you think is of an authority and then they the person falls for it and they click on it and people think oh it's only for us stupid seniors but it's not everybody falls for phishing schemes because we don't take the time to read emails the way we should oh yeah 100 percent. now this brings up another question a very interesting question i've had and you know i've had this talk with a lot of my friends and they're still like some friends are like, oh, you're, you're being a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and on the other side, we're like, no, this is, I swear, this is true. So what I'm referring to is, I personally believe, or, you know, there's that common thing where phones can hear or eavesdrop on conversations within its radius. And that, when, when I say phones, like that, this is not when you're calling someone. It's just when you have the phone out there. Because there are times where I'll be talking about a super random subject. Let's just say, Rainbow jelly beans. I'll, I'll be talking about rainbow jelly beans. And if I'm on like a, if I'm on eBay or if I'm on Facebook or if I'm on some other app or different website, I'll see ads for rainbow jelly beans. So can phones actually hear or eavesdrop on conversations with, within the radius? Do phones have the spying capability, I guess? Yeah, Aaron, uh, they do. You're, you're not a conspiracy theorist. So when you <laughs> see the ads for taste the rainbow or you start getting Skittle ads because you're talking about rainbow jelly beans. It, it's true. I mean, there are tech devices are designed to eavesdrop on us. And and I don't necessarily worry about it because it's more like the scene from Minority Report where Tom Cruise got the different set of eyeballs and then he starts getting the targeted ads for it was an it, it was an Asian guy. I think I forget the guy's name, but obviously Tom Cruise's character was a white male. And yeah. then all of a sudden he's getting called Mr nagi or mr you know whoever for these ads and it's because it was looking at his uh retinal eye pattern but your smart devices are the same way they monitor more of what you say and what you search for in order to target ads for you and you know obviously i think most of us have strong enough personalities that we can kind of resist those ads that that are but it is scary to think that our smart devices like our phones our alexa devices you know, even our social media searches are that data is being gathered and being used to kind of tempt us with the proverbial uh, apple from the Garden of Eden as far as that <laughs> perfect item to buy, you know. So, I mean, yeah. So you, you can tell your friends. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Aaron. Thank you so much for confirming this. 
<laughs> if I was to ask you, do you believe there will be a Skynet in the future? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, I hope not, man. That, that would be scary. But, you know, uh, you're talking about intelligence that becomes self-aware and then just decides that humans are, you know, humans are just need to be got rid of. I mean, I hope that never happens. But I think hopefully if something becomes that aware, that it'll look at, at humans as like, say, rats or bees or even cockroaches where they serve their purpose. You know what I mean? Where they're yeah. like, well, <laughs> we don't want them in our homes. But at the same time, if they're out in the field somewhere killing dead, you know, or finishing off dead animals and yeah, we'll let them stay around. So hopefully yeah. it'll be that self-aware, not like <laughs> a Thanos where it's like, well, I need to wipe out half the galaxy or, you know, something like that, you know? So what are your thoughts on Elon Musk's Neuralink, if you don't mind me asking that? Oh, that's uh, that's pretty scary. I mean, as far as the whole Neuralink thing, as far as, um, you know, all I could, when I saw that Neuralink, all I could think was a uh, battle of the planet of the apes or something like that. All I could see was Caesar. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's nice. Let's go ahead and create another Caesar. So then he's going to our zoos and stuff and freeing all these primates. And uh, <laughs> Now, if he had done that, like with a possum or like maybe some little cute corgi, I don't know if I'd have a problem with that because, I mean, what's a corgi going to do, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. but a, a primate, you know, especially a chimpanzee, I mean, that's that's just asking for trouble. You know, I think there are certain things and, you know, they quote another movie like in what they say in Jurassic Park where there are certain things that you just don't mess around with in nature. Uh, you know? so, chaos theory. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah I, don't, yeah. I don't think there are certain things that you should do, you know, because especially in the zoo, there's a lot of repressed primates and, you know, they're tired of being tested on and they may rise up just like in that movie, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of that one. Yeah. And for our listeners, uh, the video that we're referring to, if you go on just Google or YouTube and you search Neuralink and then with chimpanzee, it shows a, a literally chimpanzee playing this game with a controller at first. And then in the next test, they actually disconnect the gaming pads cable. But the chimpanzee doesn't know this, but the chimpanzee is still playing the game with its mind because there's like a connection built. It's pretty scary. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> monkey playing mind pong is not, that's, that ain't fun. That's nothing I want to see. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I have the same views. I'm like, I feel like we're doing too much here. <laughs> right. I agree. Now, I guess like shifting the topics here, I, I kind of want to ask you about technology and impacts from a parenting perspective, because this is something that's inevitable and it's always growing. Personally, I myself, I cannot help but notice technology being introduced to children. And I personally believe that it's being introduced at a very incredibly young age compared to the prior generations, whether if technology is used in parenting to help children occupy for hours or if it is used to help accelerate learning methods for children with disabilities. Like, you know, there's obviously the pros and cons. So for you and your spouse, you are both parents are two wonderful boys. And I wanted to ask you how both have you been able to utilize technology to your advantages from a parenting aspect? That's a tricky question. And I'll laugh because from the aspect of doing homeschooling, technology works great. We use yeah. the cellus and the boys hop on their iPads and do their stuff. And that's great. But as far as the whole video game aspect, it's just utter chaos because it's a constant battle of locking up devices and changing parental passwords and keeping kids off things like Roblox and Fortnite that just makes it an utter nightmare. And I think, Aaron, you understand with kids and technology that the sole purpose for technology, especially games now, is to get kids addicted into buying stuff. You know, mm -hmm. back in the 
old days, we were talking about the old NES, the Super Nintendo. It was just the aspect of, well, if you at, once you beat Zelda, you just have to wait till the next gaming system comes out. I mean, there were a lot of clues to keep you engaged in the game, but nothing where it was just an online, like the current Breath of the Wild Zelda, where it's like DLC or, you know, downloadable content or a game that takes you about 60 hours to complete. I mean, we didn't have any of that. And so obviously the purpose is to create a generation of gamers or generation of kids that are just loyal from essentially birth to these games so that these companies can continue to make money. So I would caution any parent from a gaming aspect, if it's online games or any technology devices, just delay it as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And I believe you also have a couple of videos where I think you were on NBC, if I'm correct, where you actually share with a lot of what the audience that there are app applications and functions that you can download to limit the use and the time on with these games, right? Yeah, there is. But the problem with parental control apps, the more they're and they're all built into all devices now. Now, you can set time limits, but yeah. you can't control necessarily what goes on in like a chat room. If a kid's talking on their smartphone or in worse are the consoles, they have chat rooms in a lot of the console games and there's no parental control that you can download onto your, well, as far as time limits, but nothing that was, is going to monitor what your kid's saying in the chat room while they're playing Battlefront or playing Call of Duty. So parents just really have to step up and be vigilant and just monitor what their kids are doing. Okay. Okay. That's definitely good to know. And for myself too, like I remember when I was like seven or eight, I was out drawing on sidewalks, like <laughs> climbing trees. And now, now, you know, like they have iPads, you know, they're playing that bubble game or Angry Birds or whatever, right? So it, it is definitely eye opening. It's it's a big shift, right? Especially looking at it from one generation to another. And I guess when it comes to communication, then whether it's text messaging or even being on social media, do you have any tips with technology that might be helpful when it comes to parents communicating with their children? So especially when children are at like a really rebellious stage, you know, that I would say probably around 10 to 18, because you can now friend your mom on Facebook, friend your dad on Facebook, you know, like for me, that's kind of weird, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, that's a toughie. I mean, obviously, there are, you, you could go old school with a flip phone, to kind of to limit some of that social media aspect. And I think a flip phone, especially for your young rebellious or just irresponsible kids, would probably be a good idea. But you kind of have to be careful because modern flip phones offer more than your old school flip phones. Like you can watch videos with it. Um, so you really have to be careful and make sure that device is either locked down, probably from your provider as far as what stuff you can do on it. Because obviously with a smartphone, you know, there's apps that allow you to log down a lot of stuff. But if you decide to go old school and get a flip phone, you would definitely need to get in contact with your cellular provider to make sure that they've got specific things logged down. Because I know some providers, I think like Verizon, there's only specific people that they can contact with. Like if that number is not in the network, then your kid's not going to be able to do it. So again, it's like we talked about earlier there are certain things with technology that people just need to reach out and get help with. So if you're struggling, go to the phone store and say, hey, I'm struggling with my kid and this device. What can I do? And most providers have ways to circumvent that. Thanks for sharing that, Bird. Now, as we're all familiar, you know, finding success for an entrepreneur can be very, very challenging. 
You know, your company, Integral, has been successfully operating for over 28 years. Can you share to our listeners what you believe is one of the major keys to success that has helped you and Integral stay relevant in a consistently evolving industry? Yeah, be nice to people. I mean, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> no one's going to call the jerk service professional or deal with jerky business people. I mean, you just have to be nice all the time and just be a shining light because you want to be someone that people are attracted to and want to deal with on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And I think as entrepreneurs, you, you have to realize there's like, you know, at least what, 10,000 people doing what you do. So what's definitely going to make you stand out? And it's how you make people feel when they use your products or services. If you make them feel like crap, then they're definitely not going to come back. But if you make them feel good, make them uh, and, and enhance their day or their life experience in a way, then they're definitely always going to come back to you and stay loyal to you. Because I mean, in this day and age, that's what it's about. It's about building loyalty and creating customers for life rather than going through the churn and getting the quick crash uh, cash grab. And then because eventually that's going to stop. If you offer crappy service, the word's going to get out and you're going to be out of business. But if you're good to people and you make them feel good and help them solve their problems, then they're always going to come back. I love that. And are you able to share some services provided by your company Integral? For some, maybe for some of our listeners that are in the Kansas City or Missouri area. Yeah, we're uh, like Geek Squad. So we don't just service in the Kansas City metro area. I mean, we service surrounding counties on site, but we do tech support remotely across the country for, for customers all over. So yeah, we're just like any other tech company out there. We can do on site if you're in the metro area, but if you need remote support anywhere in the country, we can definitely remote in and take care of most computer issues too. So it doesn't matter if it's Windows or Mac or smartphone or tablet, we can definitely help anybody conquer their technology issues. Awesome. And for our listeners, I'll be posting Integral's links in the episode description below. So be sure to check those out. So Bern, we're about to wrap up the podcast here. i got three more quick questions for you that I'll ask all my guests. So first question I have is, is there one book or resource you would recommend to our listeners that was most impactful to you and your development to becoming who you are today? So how many times have you heard entrepreneurs say good to great was the book that they read in order to in order to help transform their business? Actually, there's two. There's always the e-myth that people talk about. But there's a book called Good to Great, uh, which essentially lets you know that if you're going to build a great business, it has to be about the business entity as opposed to being the individual. And I'm trying to it's uh, the author is Jim Collins is who it's by. So Good to Great by Jim Collins. That book is, uh, has been essential as far as why companies become great, because it's about the company and building the company brand as opposed to building your personal brand. Because I don't know if you're old enough, Lee Iacocca was the king of, of Chrysler. Once he left, Chrysler is just kind of like in the basement dweller as far as automakers are concerned. So focus yes. on the company, not the individual. Ah, uh, Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Now, second question I have for you is, what does being quote-unquote first generation mean to you? Now, I use this definition in a more metaphorical sense instead of literal, and I personally define first generation as someone that has paved their own path and definition of success on their own terms. No matter the hardships and the negativity they've had to endure, they've continued to persevere through this. And in, in reality, many of us in our world walk similar paths, but no one walks the exact same path. I believe every individual has their own path, their unique path, right? So to me, that's what it means to be first generation. But for you, like, what does it mean or what do you believe it takes to be first generation? 
I think it's a process of constant rebirth. I mean, if you are, if you stay the same path, then yeah. you're kind of like yesterday's news. But if you're always finding ways to reinvent yourself, then you're continually first generation. It's like, you know, the Phoenix, you know, they go out and play, you know, go out and then the Phoenix comes back in a blaze of glory. So if, you know, you want to be first generational, you always have to find ways to reinvent yourself and to make yourself stay relevant. I mean, you can look at the big tech companies. I mean, it wasn't like Apple just stayed with desktop computers. They evolved to iPods and now iPhones. And of course, you know, you've got your iPads. Same thing with Microsoft. You know, they just didn't stick with operating system software. They went with desktop publishing software, productivity software, went with server software. So they have constantly reinvented themselves. And look at Elon Musk and, and Tesla. And also, well, look at Elon Musk. I mean, he started out with what, PayPal? Yes. And now it's Tesla. And the same thing with Amazon. Amazon started out with books. Now they're they're everything from A to Z, like their logo says. So it's constant rebirth and reinventing yourself. I love it. <laughs> now, last question I have for you then is, where can we find you on social media? Where can our audience and listeners find more details about Burton Kelso and your work online? Uh, you can just look the look at, at Burton Kelso uh, on all the social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, LinkedIn, and even Clubhouse. I knew I was about to forget one, but yeah, I'm all, all over. So if you want to look me up and ask questions or, you know, whatever, yeah, just look me up at Burton Kelso. Awesome. And for our listeners, again, I'll be posting all Burton's links in the episode description below. So be sure to check those out. And Burton, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor and it's, I loved hearing your insight and aspects, especially with technology. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to share share this information with you and to, and to converse with you. I've really enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube at First Generations Podcast. For any questions, comments, and inquiries, please reach out to Aaron at firstgenerationspodcast.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at firstgenerationspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode.